2: the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Tennessee Titans 19 to 13 to climb back above 500 and remain in reach of a division title how they won that game however defies reason i'm your host jeffrey benedict welcome to the cutting room floor we're going to jump right into the steelers offense a game where the Steelers' offense uh, played bad enough to lose. And not just bad enough to lose. They, they, were, they were flat out terrible. They were absolutely terrible. The offense scored 19 points. 19 points in 11 drives. There was a, a 12th drive that was just the one play kneel down. Uh, That was one of their best offensive drives of the game, to be honest. Uh, They had a 63-yard touchdown drive. Eight-play, 63-yard touchdown drive. uh, That was spurred by an injury (laughs) to Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth went out and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense came to life for that drive. In fact... In the plays after Pat Fryer-Moose was injured, uh, the rest of that drive and the field goal drive that followed it, those were the Steelers' only two drives, well, two of the three drives that gained even 20 yards, all right? I'm going to go through the list of drives and how many yards they gained. Opening drive of the game gained 18 yards and resulted in a punt. Second drive, 4 yards and a punt. Third drive, negative 4 yards and a punt. Fourth drive, 17 yards and a punt. Fifth drive, 18 yards and a field goal. Last drive of the half, 40 yards, missed field goal. Second half, 1 yard drive resulting in a punt. Then Pat Fryermouth gets injured partway into a drive. That drive ends up going 63 yards for a touchdown. The next drive, 31 yards for a field goal. And then it kind of reverts back. Four yards and a field goal. Five yards and a field goal. And then the end of game drive, one play for negative one yard. Just the kneel down. But you can see how there were three drives that gained 20 yards out of 11. 11 drives and only three of them gained 20 yards. That is terrible. That's absolutely awful. And there was exactly one drive of more than 40 yards. One. If you look at the Steelers' results after turnovers, right? The defense forced four turnovers. What did the Steelers do? Well, the Steelers scored on every single one they scored four field goals. But in those combined four drives, the first one comes after a fumble, 18 yards and a field goal. So that's 18 yards. Second time, they go 31 yards and a field goal. That's the drive following the touchdown drive where Pat Fryer got hurt. So now they're at 49 yards for two field goals. The next one is four yards and a field goal after the interception by Joe Shobert, and then five yards and a field goal after the snap fumble that Cameron Hayward and T.J. Watt recovered. If you add that together, if you add that all up, let's do this real quick, 18 yards, 31 yards, that's 49 yards, and then four and five, 58 yards. Four drives following turnovers, 58 yards. That's less than 15-yard average after turnovers. All four of those were field goals. That's not the offense winning a game. That is Chris Boswell being good enough at kicking that the defense was basically just able to hand the ball directly to Chris Boswell and say, win the game for us, right? We need you to be the points. The offense was legitimately terrible. Now let's talk about what the what the problem with this offense is. Well, first off, the offensive line is inconsistent. That's a huge problem. You see them produce some good plays, some good blocks, and then you see almost almost every play someone messes up, and that's all it takes. An offensive line has to be together. If four blockers are doing their job and one isn't, it's a bad play. That's part of it. There's more to it. There, there's there's just some weak points. I don't think they match up well. Uh, we saw LeGlue come in and have some good two good games. This was not a good game for him. He he had frequent mistakes and just got beat a lot would be fantastic if the Steelers had Kevin Dotson back. That line was starting to really come together, I thought, to show some promise. But that offensive line, it, it, you see how it's just destroyed Najee Harris's ability to gain yards. Uh, but what else has destroyed it, and this is this is my caveat, and this is my defense of the offensive line, and this is as far as it's going to go, The other teams are not afraid to load the box. Opposing teams are not afraid to load the box. And there's a reason for that. And that is the Steelers' ability to throw the ball downfield. I had an article uh, came up on the website three days ago. Uh, it's called, is Ben Rossesberger throwing deep less? And I basically go into the numbers of how often he throws downfield... Throughout his career, Uh, Pro Football Reference has that information tracked since 2006, so we don't get his first two seasons, 2004 and 2005. But from 2006 onward, we can look at his stats on deep ball throws, on deep throws. Uh, Looking at it, what what I wanted to see is if after Ben Roethlisberger's injury, he's been throwing deep less than he used to. And he has, right? In uh, the the Antonio Brown, Todd Haley era, Ben's throwing 7.5 to 10.5 deep shots a game. Uh, 2018, that dropped down to 7.5, which was his, his lowest since 2013. Todd Haley's first season uh, is the drop-off in 2018. 2019, obviously, Ben played a game and a half. Uh, he threw 11 deep shots which is about the same so seven and a half ish a game if you if you if you take that incredibly small sample size in 2020 ben averaged just over six and a half deep shots a game and by deep shots this is throws over 15 yards i'm not talking like bombing it downfield uh, you know i'm not talking those throws remember to martavis bryant and you know mike wallace 44 30 40 yards downfield and they're breaking open for touchdowns. Not those kind of throws. We're talking downfield throws that are far enough that they force linebackers to either back up or you're you're throwing over them, right? This is this is the kind of throws that are hard for a defense to cover without backing off of the line of scrimmage. So these are these are legitimate field stretching plays that set up the run game and set up the underneath passing game. So that dropped off to just over 6.5 in 2020. In 2021, that's down to around 5.5 a a game. Which if you go back to his high in 2015, it was 10.5. We're just slightly over half as often he's throwing downfield as he was then. And significantly less than any point where Antonio Brown was in this offense. The Todd Haley years, Antonio Brown, you know, those offenses... Throwing deep a lot. His completion percentage, not the best. It's slightly better than it was in 2020. He's completing 37.3% of his downfield passes. Uh, that ranks towards the very, very bottom. If you if you take out 2019, where he only completed one of eleven, uh, in an incredibly small short, incredibly small sample size that largely was based on Dante Moncrief not being able to catch the ball. Uh, his deep throw accuracy uh, completion percentage which doesn't completely line up with accuracy there's only three seasons three or four seasons in his career and it's a long career where he completes fewer passes downfield than this season 2020 was one of them 2017 was one. Uh, and then 2013, and then 2012, it's pretty much it's pretty much even with 2012. You remember that year, Mike Wallace's last season with the Steelers, uh, where he held out, and they did none of the receivers were very good that year. Ben struggled. It was a bad offensive year all around. That's that's where this team is now. The interesting thing is yards per completion. It's actually pretty high. At 30.6 yards per completion on passes 15 yards downfield or more, that's the third highest of Ben Roethlisberger's career. The third highest of his entire career. Which tells you, tells me at least something here, and that is this isn't an offense that is attacking you know, 15 to 25 yards downfield. This is not an offense that's doing that. This is an offense that is throwing really short. It's throwing downfield less, but when it does, it's throwing farther downfield. That it gives you a lower catch percentage and a higher yards per, com, per, yards per catch. That's typical. It's a lower percentage passes downfield uh, for higher yards per catch. That's, that's exactly what you would expect. And it shows up on film. That's what this team does, is they throw downfield deep. There's not a lot of 15 to 20-yard passes like there was to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown lived in that area. But not just Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster lived in that area. Uh, I've got another one coming up, a follow-up on my is Ben throwing deep less, where I look at the different numbers for Ben Roethlisberger's career. I also looked at the receivers' results. Obviously, uh, if you're looking at total numbers, Antonio Brown dominates every receiving category for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2006. And that's no, that's no difference in downfield throws where he has almost three times as many targets as Mike Wallace did, who was one of our better deep threats. Uh, on that list, surprisingly... Let me talk to you about where the guys today are. Uh, Chase Claypool, obvious, stands out as a Pittsburgh Steelers deep threat. He is very similar in production and numbers-wise to Martavis Bryant. Very, very similar players as regards to passes down the field. Similar completion percentage. Chase Claypool is a little higher, actually. uh, Fewer yards per catch than uh, Martavis Bryant. Similar yards per target, similar catch rate, like it's all pretty close together. Chase Claypool is roughly equivalent to a Martavis Bryant, uh, whereas Martavis Bryant was, you know, going to drop, make some ridiculous catches and drop easy ones. Chase Claypool has shown he's not the best contested catch guy, but he's more reliable and has less drops than Martavis Bryant had on, like deep posts and, and routes where you, you, he's open and he should just catch it, and Martavis Bryant hits him right in the chest and he drops it. Chase Claypool drops him. very few of those, a lot, lot less than Martavis Bryant. Second, I want to look at Deontay Johnson. Now, Antonio Brown is someone that Deontay Johnson has gotten compared to a lot so far in his young career but they couldn't be more different. Antonio Brown is is just ridiculously effective, right? He has incredible volume and like lower high end, you know, uh, efficiency. Guys like Mike Wallace way more, you know, production out of deep targets than Antonio Brown on a per target basis. But Antonio Brown had massive amounts of volume and again, he wasn't really the 40 yards downfield kind of receiver. He's more the 15 to 25 uh, kind of downfield receiver. That's where you would expect to see Deontay Johnson show up. But when you look at Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson has a 30% catch rate on balls thrown 15 yards downfield or farther, compared to Antonio Brown, who was right around 44%. That's a significant change. 30.6 is bad. It's it's down there with like the Xavier Grimbles. It's significantly lower than Chase Claypool. It's Cedric Wilson, Sammy Coates, James Washington territory. And then if you look at his yards per completion, they're also low. They're also some of the lower numbers. uh, Slightly higher than Antonio Brown not nearly in the category of guys with his catch rate. The only player with lower yards per catch and a lower catch rate than him on these on these routes are, there's three of them. There's Emmanuel Sanders, who never fit well with Ben Roethlisberger, and that's one of the reasons he didn't work here. Uh, Xavier Grimble and Cedric Wilson. It's not a good category to be in. I mean, he's he's... Worse than Eli Rogers, right? Eli Rogers was a more efficient downfield target than Deontay Johnson. And yet, Deontay Johnson gets a lot of throws downfield. He has almost as many as Chase Claypool from Ben Roethlisberger. And that's key to remember because Ben Roethlisberger didn't throw him a single deep ball in his rookie season. Deontay Johnson in 2019 got zero deep passes from Ben Roethlisberger because Ben Roethlisberger missed most of the time. And Deontay Johnson didn't start playing until, you know, the team figured out a couple games in that Deontay Moncrief wasn't working out. He has four fewer deep targets than Chase Claypool, three fewer catches, and his average yards per catch is is three yards shorter. He's just significantly worse. A player who is currently not available for the Pittsburgh Steelers but has been was Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster in 50 deep ball targets from Ben Roethlisberger caught has caught 25 of them. That's 50%. And he has a 33.4% yards per catch, which is right there with Chase Claypool as a deep in in the lower end of the deep ball targets. He is number one for Ben Rothesberger's career 2016. Juju Smith Schuster is number one in yards per target. And yet, the last two seasons, the Steelers have not been throwing him the ball deep at all. Very, very low rates. His rates fell to almost a third of what he used to what he was getting. Is pretty bad. Like in 2020, he was targeted 12 times on passes that went 15 yards downfield or further farther. In 2018, Ben threw 34 times to him deep. 34 to 12, almost a third. In the five games he played this season for the Steelers, he was targeted three times on passes 15 yards downfield or more which would average out over the course of a season to right around 10. He was on pace for 10 downfield passes this season. And he is the most efficient downfield target of Ben Roethlisberger's career. That's pretty crazy. We're going to jump back into this uh, after the break. I think we're going to stick with the offense this time. We may do an entire show on the offense Uh Just discussing it and and things that don't make sense. Uh, But we're going to have to go to a break here. So stay tuned and we'll come back with more Cutting Room Floor. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're checking out all of the podcasts on our network. We have YouTube shows nightly. We have multiple daily podcasts. All the YouTube shows will come out the next day on our podcast audio side. There's lots of content from a lot of different people. One of the great things about this show is you get different angles. You get different views. I'm here every Tuesday. And then Wednesday night, I do a Live podcast on YouTube and Facebook with Michael Beck called Know Your Enemy. That you can find Thursday on the audio side. If you if you don't want to sit there and look, watch us on YouTube and, and participate in the live chat and and see it live, you can come on Thursday and and have a see us interview someone from the opposing team. Uh, this past week we got to have Titans Weekly on. Always a great time. Love those guys. Uh, that was a fun show. Check it out if you if you missed it. I did predict the Steelers to win 24-10. to 10. They won 19-13, to 13, not too bad off, 8 points off. This, this Steelers season has been rough, right? It's all over the place. But when you get done with the game and you want some different viewpoints, you want some good commentary, good insights, behind the steel curtain is where you can go. We got a lot of different insights, a lot of different takes, a lot of different people looking at different angles. Great content, check it out. All right, let's dive back into this offense. Just talking about the receivers that, that, that Ben Roethlisberger's been throwing deep to, and that he's been throwing less. I want to I want to I want to throw this out here is we're gonna we're gonna change gears here a little bit and get into the offensive scheme here. But I I want to point this out real quick. These are some of the teams, that the Pittsburgh Steelers, with 19 points, which is, by the way, a terrible total. That's a terrible point total. That's not good. Let's talk about some teams the Pittsburgh Steelers outscored this week, right? The New England Patriots, they were top of the AFC. They scored 17 points and lost. They fell to 9-5. and five. The Arizona Cardinals, one of the top teams in the NFC, one of the top teams in the NFL, scored 12 points. Lost to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> oh, lost to the Lions. Uh, they are fell to ten and four. The Tennessee Titans scored only thirteen points, fell to nine and five. The Cincinnati Bengals scored fifteen points and won, pulling up to eight and six. Surprisingly, pulling off a win there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defending Super Bowl champions, scored all of zero points, got completely shut out, and lost to fall to 10-4. and four. And that is five. Five of the eight division leaders in the NFL right now. The Steelers in what was an absolutely terrible offensive performance, scored more points than five of the eight current division leaders. It's incredible. It's it's absurd. This is the 2021 NFL. This is what it looks like. The problem with the Steelers isn't that they had one game where they scored 19 points. The problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers is that we haven't had many games where we've scored more than that. Six of the Steelers' games that they've played so far have resulted in fewer points scored for the Steelers than this week, which means in total we have seven games where the Steelers have failed to reach 20 points. If you go to exactly 20 points... We have eight. Eight times the Steelers have scored exactly 20 points or less. One of the games where they scored not more was an overtime field goal. So at the end of regulation, we're actually at nine times. The Steelers have scored 20 or fewer points in regulation nine times. In 14 games. Only 5 games have we scored more than 20 points in regulation. And that's pretty bad. The Steelers have scored 30 or more points once. And that was against the Los Angeles Chargers. And they lost that game. One of the things this, this brings up is... Is this Matt Canada's problem? Is this Matt Canada's offense just not being good? And that's an important question to ask because Ben Roethlisberger is likely done. He's likely going to be stepping away. Uh, what can we expect in the future? Do we need to start with a new offense coordinator? Is, is there a point in keeping Matt Canada around? This is only his second year on the team, his first as an offense coordinator, and his first year as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Frequently hear people say, you know, I'll get rid of Randy Feekner, let's get some younger guy, you know, bring up from college, someone creative. Well, that's what they did. They brought up someone from college who hadn't coached in the NFL. They brought up someone from college who had a very innovative offense. A guy that they know. They have some ties to. If we get rid of Matt Canada, where do we go from there? Do you get someone more experienced? Do you get someone from an NFL, try and poach someone from another NFL squad? Where do you go? And this is one of the problems as as we as I just talked about. There's a bunch of teams here that have shown that even good offensive designs, even good offensive games, they can end up with bad results. We heard all about Kansas City and their offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy and how good he was last season and how he had been passed over for head coaching jobs. And my goodness, how can no one want this guy to be their head coach when he's such a brilliant offensive coordinator? And we talked about that. They talked about that for a solid two weeks heading into the Super Bowl, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put up nine points. Well, I should say, Tampa Bay Buccaneers held the Kansas City Chiefs to nine points. They couldn't score a touchdown. We saw the Pittsburgh Steelers just absolutely shut down the Tennessee Titans offense this game. This past week. We've seen them shut down other offenses. Buffalo Bills. Their offensive coordinator was great. He's Fantastic. Fantastic offensive coordinator. Pittsburgh Steelers started the season held him to 16 points. Bills and went on a terror scoring a bunch of points against other people, but they keep losing games where they suddenly can't score. They scored 10 points against New England, 15 against the Colts, six against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and again 16 against the Steelers. That's the difference in their season. Like really, they've lost two close games where they've scored more than twenty points, and they're eight and six because they've had these games where they just can't score. It happens, and they have they're they're healthier on offense than the Steelers are. They have a younger Josh Allen who reminds me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger, just a younger version. Are you are you going to be able to replace Matt Canada with someone better? And and to answer that, we got to look past the results. We got to look at the effectiveness. We got to look at the film. And when I look at the film on Matt Canada, I see some plays that work. I see some calls that don't make sense. And I see a lot of just bad execution. To me, the problems with Matt Canada's offense on the execution side, strictly on the execution side, looking at players executing his offense, you have the problems from the offensive line you have because of that other players trying to trying to cover for things that they shouldn't be covering for uh, we saw a play where the the play where Ben kind of dumped the ball off to Najee Harris Jeffrey Simmons the the Titans defensive tackles in the backfield and Pat Firmuth tries to block him gets absolutely thrown to the ground and it's like well yeah Pat Firmuth shouldn't have been the guy blocking there He shouldn't have been trying to block Jeffrey Simmons. That's not good football. That's not how this execution should work. If the offensive line doesn't do their job, everything else becomes harder. Everyone else's jobs become more difficult because just doing your job may result in Ben Roethlisberger getting smacked by a 300-pound defensive lineman. So you're Pat Fryermuth, and you get in that guy's way and you get thrown to the ground. But he didn't... Throw your quarterback to the ground. Like this, this is what execution brings about. The offensive line is a big problem. Another problem is Ben Roethlisberger. This this offense of Matt Canada's does not fit Ben Roethlisberger. And I think they're the best way. The best way to cover that progression and and how Ben Roethlisberger, excuse me, and Matt Canada's. Offense fit together is to go back to the start of the 2020 season, when the Steelers are scoring more than they have at any point in Ben Roethlisberger's tenure as a Steeler quarterback. They're scoring 30 points a game. The you know the the Todd Haley dream of 30 points a game. The Steelers did it for half a season. They were scoring 30 points a game. They averaged 30 points a game for half a season in 2020. Matt Canada had a good deal to do with that. The problem was teams figured out that Matt Canada's offense was limited to the run game. And that it wasn't the pass game didn't do any of his things. So when you saw Matt Canada motion, when you saw some different things, you knew it was going to be a run play. Ben Roethlisberger even admitted it in one of his interviews in the early in the season. They asked about Matt Canada and he said, yeah, he's working with the run game, primarily. They added some things late in the season. They tried to get some things going, but they were added midseason, and Ben struggled with them. I have I've consistently given Ben Rossberger praise and credit for this because this season he has turned a complete 180. He's much better at RPOs, much better at play action, much better at a lot of things. But in this game against Tennessee, we saw where his lack of mobility can take that away. They tried to run a play where Ben Roethlisberger did a play action and was going to roll out to his to his right after turning his back to the to the play, and they were going to block Bud Dupree with a pulling guard. Now, if you've followed my film rooms or this show, that should stand out to you. Uh, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree regularly make highlight reels when teams try to block them with a pulling guard because often they're in the backfield at the handoff if you don't put anyone on them and they get and they read your snap well and they're aggressive off the snap and their job isn't to you know sit and read their job is to actually attack uh they're going to be at the handoff point so bud dupree is there as Ben Roethlisberger is faking a handoff to Najee Harris. Najee Harris tries to block Bud Dupree, but Bud Dupree, when Najee Harris tries to block him, already has a hand on Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger has his back to the play, and he's already being sacked by Bud Dupree. Like, that's just, I mean, at one point, I was like, come on, Matt Canada. Like, you 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 had a few games here with Bud Dupree. You know, Mike Tomlin, come on, guys. You, you've got to know this. Ben Roethlisberger should have been like, hey, guys, you know, Bud Dupree's out there. Can we not run plays where we just leave him unblocked? Like, that doesn't work. You don't leave Bud Dupree or TJ Watt unblocked. That's bad That's bad game planning. But it's also that play and multiple other plays. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have the mobility to do it. He doesn't do as well when people are in his face. And you hit him a few times. And he's not the same player for a while. Like he, he, he can get roughed up and get messed up a bit, and it can take him a while to bounce back. I don't know what to tell you about Matt Canada's offense because there are play designs, his individual play designs. Man, they're great, and they're stuff that works in the NFL, and they're things that the Steelers could really benefit from if they get a more mobile quarterback. They could really utilize. And it's stuff the entire NFL is benefiting from. It's principles that are driving the Chiefs' offense and the Bills' offense. We saw Ryan Tannehill and the threat he was to run and how the Titans were able to use that really effectively to boost their run game, both with him running it and the running backs running it. We've seen that potential in Canada's offense, but we've also seen some play calls where you're just like, "What what are you thinking? Like, what are you doing on this play? And I don't know if that is Ben Ro- him, Matt Canada, trying to fit his his offense to Ben Roethlisberger and failing. I don't know if that is, you know, first year in the NFL calling his own plays. I don't know if that's a lot of them. There's a lot of plays that are left over from the Randy Feekner offense uh, that make me think, hey, you know what? Give him a new quarterback. Let him install his offense entirely. Get away from the mess that was Randy Feekner. And, and see how he is then. I lean towards giving Matt Canada another year just because I'm a Steelers fan. And the Steelers have this habit of keeping coaches in, even when they struggle. Uh, and that tends to work out for them. So I support it. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. I like. This offense is terrible. Is there hope for it getting better this season? I'm kind of running out of hope. I've, I've been holding out hope. I'm kind of running out of it. Kevin Dotson coming back would help it. That's about it. <laughs> that's that's really about it. I, I don't have much hope for this offense. Uh, which... Goes to what we didn't talk about today, which is the defense. And the absolutely phenomenal game they have had. And how phenomenal this defense is when T.J. Watt plays. Joe Hayden was back. Played only a third of the snaps, but made two really huge plays. Two turnover plays. That tackle to stop the fourth down, we saw multiple times. Receivers, tight ends, running backs have two or three stealers on them. Twist and be able to get that ball free, go over the line and gain the yards to make a convert and convert a first down. Joe Hayden took on a much bigger player than him, had his hand over the guy's arms. The guy couldn't get the ball out, couldn't stretch it out, wrapped him up and brought him down, and even with a bad spot, still turnover on downs. What a play he made. What a great, fantastic game by the defense, holding the Titans to 13 points, forcing four turnovers that directly led to 12 Steeler points with almost no help from the offense. It's incredible. And that's sadly what we're going to have to rely on to try and win. If this offense can't be better next week, I don't see them beating Kansas City. Not with Kansas City the way their defense is playing. But that is for next week have a great week. Thank you for listening. Let's let's hope for the best for the Steelers and in the meantime, man, enjoy the win. What an improbable crazy game, but it's a win. The Steelers are 7-6 and 1. They're above 500 and they're still in the hunt for the AFC North Division title. This is it's insane to me. This team on this offense belongs on a four-win team. I'm going to straight up say that this offense belongs on a four-win team, and they are 7-6-1. and one. Enjoy that. Enjoy the season. Go Steelers.
0: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law, 80 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?